Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. It's not a sunny day, but it's always sunny on the inside, especially when you're talking about plants, right, Don? It is. It's a great day. People are getting spring fever and getting just ready to <laughs> I'm go. I'm immersed. I'm counting the days down till vacation, which is just crazy, but we just need a little bit warmer weather to get we more do. excited. We do. We've been continuously about 10 degrees below normal. I know we need the moisture, but it does get... A little disheartening sometimes. I've I spent a lot of the week up in Logan mm-hmm. for work meetings, and it was funny because when I was driving up there, it was snowing, and as soon as I hit the Cache Valley, sun shining, just beautiful, thirty eight or thirty nine degrees, which for up there is like a heat wave. But uh, <laughs> I did get a little bit of sunshine the first day, but yeah, I'm I'm ready to get going. You know, I'm not somebody who likes to lay out in the sun, but boy, I need the sun just to thrive every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things that I personally would rather have my gardening season. Yeah. Well, that's, I think every one of our listeners feels the same way that you do. Uh, We are starting on a sunny topic, though. I mean, when you look at English daisies for the plant of the week, I mean, they are the prettiest, sunniest flowers uh, one of my favorites, they just don't like heat. But let's talk about no. the English daisy, well, maybe for people who don't know English about daisy, if you want to start them from seed, you need to do it about eight weeks before you're going to plant them outside. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's now? At least now, yes, mm-hmm. because you would just put them out during cool weather. So normally late March into May before it gets hot is when they're going to be blooming and in their prime. Oh, so they should have been planted or from seed four weeks ago. Yes, four weeks ago. So they're because they are a perennial, a lot of our perennials generally take a little bit longer to get established, but they're not hard to do. Uh, you can find mixes that will have flower colors of pink, uh, whites, and reds usually mm-hmm. with little, the middle of the flower, they're a daisy. So the little middle of the flower will be yellow. And then you have variations of those colors around a yellow mi- middle usually. I've never even thought of planting them from seed. And you said they're pretty easy to do. Yes. You just have to start early. You have to start early. And I think even that six to eight weeks, you would get them to a size like in a pony pony pack. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times when we purchase English daisies, they're in a six inch pot or a little larger. And those would have had to have been, they probably just sprinkled the seed in 
or put plug started little plugs and planted them into that. But you might have five or six plugs in a, a gallon pot so that you can take that home and have it up to size. But they're they're not hard. And then the advantage to them is that they give you really bright colors in early spring when we'll have a few bulbs up and things, but they just really add a nice texture and look to the early spring yard. Yeah. For me, that's one of those that's like the sign of spring, right? It's the first sign of spring along with the crocuses, uh, the English daisies. Yes. And it is one of those early, early flowers that will tolerate some frost. Now, if you live in a cooler area, so the English daisies are hardy down to 20 to 30 below zero. So very cold hardy. And so up maybe in the Bear Lake area, they would bloom most of the summer if it stayed below the mid-80s, which it can do up there in a cool year. Mm -hmm. But in those kind of temperatures, if you have them planted in the ground, they may get aggressive and start to invade your lawn and things. On the Wasatch Front and warmer areas, they won't do that. They're Even though the, the Latin name is Bellus perennius, they're actually annual on the Wasatch Front just because we get way too hot yeah, they do for them not to thrive. Like the heat. They do not. You know, they're one of my favorites, but I don't always plant them just because they don't last very long. And no. I don't plant them from seed. But if I planted them from seed, I might be more excited about them. Yeah. So if you have a little uh, heat mat that you can pick up for 15 or $20 from many local retailers right now and just a sufficient number for your needs, you know, you could still start them and have them out for spring, even though two, three, four weeks ago may have been a little more ideal. You can still start them. City snow budgets uh, for plowing Excuse all across me, the state. Okay, that was a little shocking. Yes. Our apologies glitches. for that. But uh, at any rate, the English daisies are one that if you want to do some planter baskets on your patio, just to brighten things up, especially if you might have some sort of party or a, re- you know, a little bit of a, a reception type deal or just want them, you can put, you know, just some pots into a planter basket, maybe put some pansies around them or other early spring flowers, maybe ranunculus, and they will actually be quite pretty. And, you know, all of that stuff would come out by mid to late May when it's time to plant other flowers, but they just add a nice little touch to early spring. And so that's where I like to use them is in planter baskets when I have early spring flowers. They're kind of an accent piece. They are. and But they don't, like, do they thrive well in the shade, they even in the heat? They will do better in the shade because of the lack of heat. But it seems like by mid-June, they're still turning yellow and angry at us for putting them in a habitat that they don't like, which is to our advantage because, like I said, if it was cooler, they can take over. That is so funny to think of them taking over when I can't even get them to thrive. Yeah, and so in the New England states, you know, especially the northern New England states, parts of Canada where they have a cool maritime climate, so it's not, you know, in the 80s the hottest, but never too cold, they can really be problematic and take over. But here in the you know, hot, dry northern areas of northern Utah, they're, they're not a problem. Yeah, I treat them like primroses. I plant them in the spring in pots and know that uh, by June I'm going to need to do something yeah. different. 
Okay. Uh, we have put up an article on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. If you'd like to learn more, the numbers for you to call and join in the conversation, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255, or you can text us your questions at 57500. Uh, First listener of the morning is Ashley, who is in Layton. And good morning, Ashley. What is your question? Thank you. Have a good night. Hello. Good morning, Ashley. I am here. How are you guys this morning? Great. We want some breakfast food, too. Oh, I'm telling you, right? Sounds so good. (laughs) Absolutely. So listen, I have just moved into my new yard, and I need to know when the best time is that I can plant sod where it's going to grow and be lush and green so that my yard will look good. When is the best time to do that? Well, it's the best time is when you can get it, because I'll bet you if you stop by local sod farms, I think Bulldog's still around there. And I'm trying to think of some of the others. They might be four or five months out. And so... So you need, so wait, I need four to get a hold of them now. Then. Out? Yeah, four or five months. Oh, my So God. then I need to get a hold of them now if I want you it do. late by next fall. Well, okay. yeah. So I need, you that is might, exactly what I need to do. It's early enough. You may be able to get it into spring. But I know last year I had neighbors putting in sod that waited six months. Holy cow. Okay, so, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I'll get so a hold of Bulldog Saw and see I, if I can get some yeah, saw put away. Ideally, either late April into mid-May or okay. late, um, mid to late August are the two best times. Oh, okay, perfect. Thank you so much. You're you welcome. guys have a good day. You too, thank Ashley. You. Thanks for your call this morning. Um, like, you can't get sawed up places like Home Depot. Like, I know I bought well, just a few. Yeah, if you need just year. a few hundred square feet, you can usually go to a garden center or Home Depot, and the Home Depot has reserved so many pallets a week. But if you do need that, a whole yard, you know, you are going to have a markup from the sod producer to Home Depot or the garden oh. center. And so a lot of times it's instantly available, but you will pay. more at least for those pieces of sod. And so what I, people will do sometimes if they just need a small amount is stop by when the sod company's cutting and they might pick up scraps that were ripped or something, or the sod company may cut an extra quarter pallet for things, you know, for just broken pieces and things. And you might be able to get enough for a park, not that we're encouraging you to put it into a park strip, but just for smaller areas. But if you're doing entire yards, you have to get on their waiting list. You know, it's one of those things where it really benefits you to call around, get prices, and get on the list. Yes. I mean, last time the economy tanked, sod went from 50 or 60 cents a square foot up in the Cache Valley down to 18 cents. 
And so I'm not wishing that, you know, I'd rather pay a little more for my sod and have a good economy. But, you know, when we have a strong housing market, it can create conditions that make it expensive and the wait is long. So with the housing market cooling, it may not be a five or six month wait, but it's always good to call and just get on the waiting list. All right. Next listener says, do you have any advice on when and how to prune a goji berry bush? So goji are a species of plant in the tomato family. Really? Yes. And they're native to China and they're grown very extensively there for the berries. And the berries have kind of a sweet-ish taste and they're I won't, scrunching up your face. It's not really terrible, but it's not something <laughs> I'd be like, man, I need goji berry on my ice cream Except now. Except they're super healthy. But yeah, they're a superfood. Very healthy. And so people have been planting them and they'll might they might put them into like a trail mix or something or just eat them. And the berries themselves, if you go to a gardener's market and can find them, you can pay 15 or $20 a pound oh, wow. for the dried berries. So as far as pruning, you want to get them established and they're quite aggressive. And so you can um, trellis them almost like grapes to where you would let the vines produce. And then the one-year-old vines would come off. Or excuse me, so what you would do is almost treat them like a raspberry to where you will let those vines get a year old on the trellises, produce fruit, and then take them off, and you're continuously developing new vines up onto the trellis. If you have freestanding bushes, I would just develop a renewal pruning schedule to where you go in and take out 30% of the oldest uh, branches every year, or 25 to 30% of the oldest branches to keep them very productive. But there's uh, the same species, but different varieties. There's another plant called matrimony vine that is a like non-fruiting goji and mm. a tea can be made from the leaves. That's also super nutritional and European settlers brought it in and for some reason, you find it planted around old cemeteries. And I don't know if there's like a superstition or what the connection is. But also, as the Intercontinental Railroad was built coming west, uh, the Chinese would plant goji at the end of the trails, like the Hell on Wheels town. Hmm. And so you can go out to the West Desert and find these patches of goji at like where the Chinese were temporarily settled and they've survived in the West desert, not becoming invasive, but they've survived out there for With since the 1860s, just the natural water, just the natural water. So they're wow. incredibly durable plants. So I, the water wise. Okay. Yeah. Very water wise. But they're if you want to plant them and you irrigate them, you really need to manage them closely so they don't take over but they can be highly productive. The other thing with goji, we have one of the largest suppliers of goji to other nurseries here in Utah called Phoenix Tears. And I'm not sure if they're still distributing, but most of the original goji stock that was available from Gurney, Burpee, a lot of the online catalogs and nurseries was propagated by Phoenix Tears off plants out of the West Desert. Mm -hmm. So, so let me understand a little bit better about the fruiting schedule. So, does the fruit form on the one-year vine or the new vine? Both. Oh, 
both you'll get it's they're incredibly productive once they're established. And so the vines will produce later in the summer on one and one and two year old vines and new vines. But I'm recommending taking them out after they're three or four years old, like from the middle, the branches out when they're three or four years old so that their productivity doesn't decrease. You can keep them super productive, but by taking those oldest branches out, you can keep the plant size contained. The other thing with the goji is that if you look up online, they're actually quite easy to do cuttings from. Mm -hmm. And so you can start your own if you have a neighbor that has has some. Do they is there fruit all summer long or is it just a one time harvest or it's going to be late summer and you're going to get fruit for three to four to maybe six weeks. Hmm. It's not all summer, but um when they do bear fruit and you have an established plant, it's almost like harvesting blackberries or summer season raspberries where they have a definite season, but you can get them over several weeks. One of our listeners saying that their goji bush spread out roots all over their yard. Yes. And that's why I'm saying you need to keep them contained. And so on those goji, if you have them planted in a row, you can take a rototiller using light, just light, you know, cultivation a couple inches deep and just keep knocking the suckers back Mm -hmm. in the middle of the row to keep them contained to where you want them. The plants are usually allowed to get 18 inches to two feet wide. Okay, next listener would like to know, Ton, when is the best time of year to treat lawns with iron? Most lawns don't need iron. I was just going to ask, do does my lawn need iron? No. If How would they, I know if it did need iron? A test would reveal it, or oh. if you're doing everything right and the lawn's still a little yellow. You, know, you can try it out, but... It's one of those things that up to a pH of around 8, which 8.2 lawns can get sufficient iron out of the soil. If you have salty soil where your pH is upwards of 8.5, they start to maybe struggle a bit. But I would look at everything in total as far as irrigation. I would do soil testing and just maybe even send some samples up to USU's lab to see if they can find any diseases or anything, anything because our lawns oftentimes don't need iron. Okay, we're going to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. You can call us. Phone lines are open, 801-575-8255. Text us, 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.